0: Welcome to the Life is a Ceremony podcast by Petiti Institute. We're inspired to share practical insights to engage everyday life as an evolutionary journey. Every moment is an opportunity to practice. If you would like to send us a question or a comment or a donation, you're welcome to visit www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.paititi.org. In this episode, Roman Hannes and Emily Goffrey will discuss how to discover the lucidity, objectivity, and a bird's eye view in the midst of turmoil. What can bring lasting fulfillment in our lives that no storm, whether physical or emotional, can take away? Facing the circumstances and allowing the problems in our lives to transform us for the better.
1: Hello, friends. This is Roman and Emily coming to you from the Paisiti Institute. Today we have an interesting topic in store. It's the topic of the eye of the storm. This is something that I often contemplate on, not only in this current situation in the world right now, but in general there are many storms that my life has gone through. And I'm sure everyone has had their own storms in life. And so today the eye of the storm in this particular situation we are in right now It seems like it's going to linger and we are all stuck in this collective storm where everything is shifting around us. All of our old habits, routines dissipating right now. And the analogy of the storm in particular is quite interesting to me because it's this collective storm that we are going through. I lived in the Middle East for some time in my life and there are desert storms there. And during the desert storm, guess what? Everyone has to wear a mask. Everyone has to put on something that can allow them to breathe without all the sand particles going in. And then, of course, the storm also right now what is happening, this collective storm is also encouraging us all to take shelter and to find refuge in our life, to be at home. Then uh, another one that is quite interesting to me that has to do with the storms of life, not particularly the physical storms, but the breathing issues. I've been researching a while back about children in orphanages. And actually the statistics show that over 80% of children that come from orphanages may have some kind of breathing issues in their lifetime. So children from orphanages are more likely to suffer from breathing disorders like uh, asthma or um, all kinds of COPD or different things like this, uh, chronic obstructions of the lungs, and may get sick more often, compromised immune system. And in the Eastern medicine, in the traditional Chinese medicine that I'm also practicing, the lungs they also have to do with finding that grounding finding that uh, rootedness in our original nest the kidneys are grounding the lungs and so the reason that so many children that are orphans have lung issues is because they cannot find a place for themselves in the world they live in this world but they can never feel themselves quite at home with where they're at and this current situation in the world where everyone are sent to their homes and then there is a danger of people suffering from this uh, breathing disorder. The people may be suffering from lungs accumulating water and unable to function properly and I was contemplating whether there is this connection here also People who are at home right now cannot relax and continue to stress out and have anxiety and worry and never feel quite at home. Even when we are actually sent to our homes, we can still not feel ourselves at home. And so there is also, to me, there seems to be a link with that where we are encouraged to find, to be at home, to be at ease. To find that solace in our lives, to find refuge in the midst of all of these experiences that we are having that can allow us to be at peace. And so those are some of the things that I've been reflecting on. And then, of course, the storm itself, where, yeah, it's very murky, it's cloudy, there is all kinds of debris and sand flying around and you cannot see, and yet... In the eye of the storm, it's completely quiet. There is a total calmness in the eye of the storm. And many birds, many different types of birds, they like to fly right into the eye of the storm and then stay there throughout the storm. Also the buffalo, the northern American traditional animal it's considered to be sacred by the native americans and one of the reasons for that is because it charges towards the storm instead of running away from it and then goes into the storm and also finds that calm that peaceful place that is never disturbed that is never affected and then can stay in that state as long as the storm will last without being bothered by the storm. And so there is this eye of the storm. And right now what we are collectively going through, also there is that eye of the storm. There is that calmness in the center of all this turmoil. And so I've been called to contemplate, what is that calmness in the midst of turmoil? What is that peaceful place that is so restful and so at ease, no matter what life throws at us. And so this is something that uh, I have been contemplating and I've thought of the topic for today that it's quite appropriate for that. There is the eye of and then why And then why is it called the eye of the storm? Why is it the eye of the storm? Because the storm is so confusing and yet in the midst of it there is that clarity. There is that insight, the bird's eye view the bird that is hiding in the center of the storm can actually perceive the workings of that storm and can intuit how to engage with this process how to remain free within the turmoil within the circumstances and so that's an interesting topic. To reflect on and I wonder what Emily wishes to share in that regard
2: sure Um, you know since this global unfolding we've found ourselves here in Mexico and you know it's kind of between Peru and the US which is where we are heading Um, and yeah I've been feeling this sense of not belonging here and at the same time that Feeling, I mean, I can relate to it in a small way of being like a refugee here. You know, I'm not in one place or the other where I thought I'd be. And it's actually been very refreshing and allowing me to wake up and see each moment as it is instead of projecting into the future of where I think I'm going to be. But I'm curious if you think that that feeling of being a refugee is, can be beneficial along the way.
1: Mm. Well, I can only share from my experience. I have been uh, a refugee at least one time in my life when I was a child and my family was uh, in the night escaping the Soviet Union and we had to run across the the border and have our documents taken from us because we were refugees and take a train into other countries. And I found that being a refugee is an interesting kind of situation because it's, like Emily said, neither here nor there. And then uh, also it's this uh, process of discovery. It's this process of coming out of old... Familiar routines and then discovering something new, something wonderful. There is a certain hope in the horizon. I remember as a child when I was a refugee, there there was a certain hope in the horizon that we were going towards, but even the process of getting there was very fulfilling. There was this excitement and adventure through this uh, process of coming out of our old familiar routine and then not knowing what's going to happen and at the same time being filled with the miracles of life and meeting all kinds of people on the way and finding relatedness and communion that I was not able to experience beforehand. So the feeling of a refugee is Also related to what refuge do do we take and where do we find refuge in our lives right now? Okay, obviously we cannot do it in exactly the same ways as we used to. And then also if refuge is no longer here, then it means that that refuge was not so lasting. And now it's gone. And now how can we find a refuge, solace in our lives that is much more lasting? that is much more sustainable and meaningful instead of just find another bypass or another patch for it. In my life I've been reflecting on it and seeing that yeah, I can take refuge in all kinds of things. I can take refuge in uh, material possessions, in uh, all kinds of different external activities. I can take refuge in food. I can take refuge uh, in uh, external relationships. I can take refuge in uh, instant gratifications and all kinds of uh, entertainment industries and yet all of those refuges they are not so fulfilling, they are not so lasting, they are here one moment and in the next moment again I have to look for something, I have to scramble for another something that can provide me a certain sense of false security. Even if it's just for a little bit. Looking at it and seeing that actually, yeah, I don't want to keep doing it in the same way that it used to be. And I'm not interested to keep finding something that will only last for a little bit and then I have to scramble for something else and then I waste so much energy to keep scrambling continuously in my life. So how about we find something that is meaningful and is not going away and is lasting and this is something that I do believe that is possible within this life where nothing is lasting where all kinds of uncertain things are happening and whether it's the physical storms or it's the mental storms or emotional storms there are all kinds of things that are happening and then I don't want to just keep looking for the next superficial instant gratification that will disappear really fast. It gets kind of old after a while and it gets tiring. So then instead, what can bring that lasting refuge? And so in my life, as I've gone through all kinds of situations in life where I've dealt with illnesses and problems and collapse of economic systems and being an actual refugee, escaping dictatorship, and all kinds of things in my life, and then to really look for something that is not bound by any of those circumstances. And after a while of searching and coming to this ancient living wisdom traditions that we work with, such as the Amazonian, the Indian, and also the Tibetan tradition, and especially the Tibetan tradition has brought a lot of perspective to me, and then I started seeing it in all other traditions, how there is this focus on essential humanity, on essential human qualities, how there is this focus on the ability of the human spirit to shine in the face of adversity. And so then with that, the refuge, the solace that people take in these traditions is actually in the turmoil, okay you know what from now on i'm gonna look for situations in my life that take me out of my comfort zone that take me out of my habitual security and make me actually be alive i can no longer be stagnant and then i can be alive and then i can see that yeah this heart-centered presence this love that i can experience in my life that i can tap in into no matter what happens is that refuge and then i can keep deepening the connection with that fearless love under greater and greater challenges and it's interesting how in these traditions it's all gearing towards that right love is the answer all you need is love It keeps coming back to that. And again, love has so many different faces to her. There's so many different shapes that love can take based on the circumstances that we are experiencing. It's not always this common idea of love being this kind of fluffy, cozy thing. But love can be that experience in my life where... I can just give something away that brings me happiness to someone that I love and not even have a second thought about it. Like my son, my three-year-old son, almost three years old, he wants to eat something and he really likes it. And even if I really like it as well, I will give it to him. And that for me will be a lot more fulfilling than if I will eat that food myself. And to me that's the power of love. One of the expressions of love. In the midst of circumstances. In the midst of adversity. And all kinds of situations. And then to be able to reach out and extend myself. Get over myself. Because there is something that is much more meaningful. Because there are people that are much more essential to me. Than my own comfort in my life. And so this refuge in the heart. That we can all take, no matter what happens. And to really reflect on that and see how in these ancient traditions, the refuge was actually taken in the illness. In the center of each disease, there is a great love waiting to be discovered. And so instead of trying to get away from it and hide from it and put my hand in the dirt and pretend like nothing is happening, to actually open myself what bothers me fully and then in the center of it find that eye of the storm that unconditional all-seeing heart and then to abide in that so in my life that's something that I find very meaningful to actually learn to open to the problems in my life and then because of those problems than to discover a greater capacity to be human. If there weren't all of those problems and all of those issues, then uh, there would be just a swamp of conditioned existence. The indigenous people, they say comfort makes us weak. If there's nothing to challenge us, to take us out of that comfort zone, then gradually we just get weak. We get complacent. We don't really develop and evolve and rejoice within that greater capacity that we discover in ourselves. So this is something related to the refugee and the refuge. Okay, we no longer have the things that used to make us happy or the comfortable routine, but then because of that we are embarking on an adventure. And this adventure allows fresh perspective. The eye of the storm allows for more objective insight into our collective existence here on Earth, among ourselves. And then see what is possible for our future as species, as a human culture on this Earth. And how can we change this predetermined direction that our society has been taken. So it's taken us out of that ingrained momentum, habitual direction of our lives, and allows us to contemplate the fresh perspectives. What is it that makes us truly alive? How can we develop and design our lives around that, rather than just keep being hamsters in a wheel? And this is something that I find gives me an inspiration to breathe deeply. To really look at our current situation in this way.
2: Mm -hmm. Thank you. A question came up for me during that because you mentioned earlier in your life when you were a refugee, you experienced a sense of hope on the horizon. And I can relate to that in some ways. During this current situation, I find myself hoping for circumstances to unfold in a specific way and then having some of those hopes just being smashed. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious how the wisdom lineages work with this idea of
1: hope. Mm. Well, it's good not to take it too literally. And in uh, some of our wisdom lineages, There is this expression, beyond hope and fear. But it doesn't mean to just be complacent and give up on everything and be down and without any possibility of happiness in our lives. It doesn't mean that. It means that we can actually make the most out of this current situation. And the hope doesn't contradict that. In my experience, the hope in these traditions, it's related to, okay, if I'm just looking for some kind of salvation, that uh, some kind of a government is going to save me, or some kind of a messiah is going to come from heavens and is going to save me, then that's a false hope. So it's beyond false hopes and fears. I like to think of it that way. Because sometimes people tend to go kind of too extreme and become fanatical about it no you cannot say hope anymore but it's beyond false hope and fear Mm -hmm. and so then yeah of course i don't have to wait for somebody to come and save me on a spaceship or something and or abduct me from my current circumstances (laughs) and i can make the most of where i'm at right now and fully engage in this situation and really discover that sense of adventure and at the same time have a certain direction see that okay i've been just running in circles all of my life and there is hope for me yet i'm not completely a blockhead. there is hope for me yet i like to see it in that way And I can contemplate and tune in and recognize, okay, what is that possibility? What is that perspective in my life, that bird's eye view that can allow me to get out of this hamster wheel? And find something fulfilling and inspiring and joyful that I can start doing right now and then develop the momentum so that that can actually propel me towards this lasting happiness towards sustainable solace, refuge in my life, that I can never lose. And then of course I can grasp onto different situations and experiences and think, oh this is going to make me happy, or maybe this uh, new situation, or there is this amazing new snake oil vaccine that has been developed, maybe that will make everyone happy. And then really look at it and see that, yeah, no, that's just another snake oil. And if we get rid of this current situation in the world right now, that's not going to make me necessarily happy either. If I'm going to go back into my old hamster wheel, I don't know if that's going to make me happy. So it's not really about that either. It's not about resolving the symptoms, but getting to the root of it okay what is at the root of it what is at the root of this current situation that we are all stuck with what is the storm that is continuously swirling around our human society in many different ways whether it's the whole world burning and all of the natural resources are getting exhausted and wars are happening all over the world and uh, children are dying from hunger at rates much greater than this current epidemic that is taking place and then those are all storms that are continuously plaguing humankind and so then the current situation that's not the really the source of the issue it's just one another one of the symptoms it's another one of those, knocks on our door and then underneath that there is a certain habitual stagnant routine or certain mentality that we keep being wrapped into the scarcity mentality the fear-based mentality this is really at the base of it and so then instead of thinking that, yeah, there is going to be some kind of extraterrestrial intergalactic federation that is going to come down and save human race, to see that, no, it has to happen on an individual level within each one of us. How can each one of us transform this fear-based mentality and tap in into the unconditional abundance that each one of us is capable of? The generosity of the human heart. That as a collective we don't trust in so much at this point. And so then how can we start trusting in that? And before we start resolving collective issues, how can we start doing it on a very small scale? There's this one story that I heard about Dalai Lama visiting a school one time. And a child asked Dalai Lama, they asked him, how can we resolve the world's problems what can we do to help fix the issues in the world today and Dalai Lama looked around and then he told the child he said you see that paper on the ground that tissue paper on the ground laying over there in the corner pick it up that's how we start resolving the issues on a grand scale it has to first start happening in a very minute way in the life of each one of us and so then okay what are the issues that are plaguing each one of us individually maybe certain just uh, boredom or um, not wanting to get out of bed in the morning or not wanting to do something productive or just being complacent and wasting one's time and waiting for something else to happen But it has to happen on on that level. The devil is in the details. And so then right now in the world, uh, we can contemplate on this global issue and many other global issues. But actually, if we don't really start dealing with our own particular life circumstances on an individual level, that's where the devil is at. The devil is in the details. And each one of us, we have our own demons and monsters to face. And we have our own purging that we have to engage with. Our own spring cleaning that we have to do. And so then, without that happening on an individual level, the collective change, I don't see how it can be possible. So I'm a strong believer that the change has to come from within.
2: Mm. Right? Yeah, I was thinking about this phrase, the eye of the storm, and and I started thinking about the m- myself as the eye, the eye of the storm, and seeing that as long as I'm identifying with myself and all of my mind's dramas and stories, then I'm creating the storm that I'm in. And it's almost impossible, maybe it is impossible to actually reach the the real eye of the storm, the center, the calmness um, in myself if I'm only coming from that limited perspective. And so to remember, I have to remind myself all the time to come out of that limited perspective into a, a wider um, view of what's unfolding and that helps bring the this calmness, this state of peace. Um, and part of that has been helpful just to be around like-hearted community members that can help me remember that. And I guess that's a question that comes up for me during this global situation. And we have experienced um, the connection that's possible over the internet which is the venue that we have to use right now but how can people really find that higher perspective or sense of community if they're you know in their isolated quarantine situation
1: well the eye of the storm and I like your reference point to the eye of the storm yeah of course if I'm just storming all over the place I have to really work with that and I will not be able to see anyone else if I'm lost in my own storm, in my own drama. And then uh, it seems like right now people are even connecting more deeply because there is this isolation and people were, before people were not able to connect even in person as deeply as people are connecting right now. And it seems like, yeah, it gives us a chance to really be with our own storms in life. And then through that relate to others. Oh, others are dealing with that too. I feel lonely. I feel I have all of those issues coming up to the surface, percolating. And there's this stormy weather inside me. And others have that too. And I can relate to them because they have this same situation that they're dealing with. Where before it wasn't as clear. Yet everyone has their issues. But now we can all have that same common ground that allows us to relate to each other. Through. And then through this common ground, then we can withstand the storms of our lives. Mm-hmm. We can find that eye of the storm. right? And uh, another expression, there is this expression, it's all fun and games, until somebody loses an eye. And the I can be both the I and also the I, the me, <laughs> right? And so, yeah, it's, it's, it was all fun and games. And then suddenly I'm losing this me, this I that has been so wrapped up in all of those superficial life habits. So wrapped up that I could not see farther than my own nose, just like in the storm. And so then suddenly losing this habitual identity, this hamster wheel identity, getting up in the morning, go to work, come back from work, and sit in front of the TV, go to the bathroom, and go to sleep. And like that, whole life can pass. And now suddenly, okay, it's all been interrupted. And I've lost this identity. And at first it can bring a lot of turmoil, a lot of havoc. Oh no, I don't have this routine to keep me feeling like everything is okay, everything is set for me. I don't have to think for myself. Everything is already decided. I just have to get that particular bus in the morning, I have to get on that particular subway and that will take me... To the work and i will have to do those particular things and there's this routine that i don't even have to be alive for it honestly i can just be a zombie robot and then suddenly i lose it this I, this identity and there is this collective storm that is happening and we all have to find the eye of the storm suddenly we all have to find that ingenuity in our lives we have to Reawaken the childlike nature in our lives. That is the eye of the storm. That is this aliveness, that spaciousness, the presence, the awe, the wonder, the willingness to actually soar towards our highest potential, just like the birds do when they find themselves trapped in the storm. They don't try to get away from it. They actually go right to the center of it. What is this really about? And uh, my son, he sometimes does this play acting where if he falls, he will go there and he will play like he's falling again and again to really understand it. Like he really wants to understand how is it that he fell. And then he will fall 10 more times in this playful way before he will go on. And so then, To me, that seems also like, okay, there is the storm and I find myself dealing with all of those issues that have been scooped under the carpet before. Everything starts to rise to the surface. The storm brings everything up, all the dust. And then I'm being discouraged. Suddenly I have all of those emotions and issues that I've never learned how to deal with and I keep failing dealing with them. And then I fall down, and then just like a child, I can engage with that playful mentality. And then, okay, let's do that again. Okay, I want to fail better, and fail again. And then to learn how to do it more meaningfully, and to really engage with myself, and in the center of all of my issues, and all of my problems, to find that treasury of human connection and potential. Without that willingness to actually face myself I cannot find relatedness with others. Without finding gratitude for my own life I cannot really appreciate other people. So to me the eye of the storm also has to do with that. It's all fun and games until someone loses an eye. Me. <laughs> me, me, me. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I can relate on my own healing journey that when the, I first encountered my first big healing crisis, when you know my eye started uh, to deteriorate and I couldn't quite put it back together the way it used to be, um, I fell into a phase of depression and anxiety and, and grieving the situation that I felt like I was losing. And in this situation, I'm just wondering, because I can imagine a lot of people are falling into that um, space of feeling depressed or feeling like they don't belong and questioning everything. And I'm curious how to keep the immune system response high during this time when everything seems to be falling away. Like you know, what, what can we be participating in?
1: Mm. Yeah, that is also something that I find meaningful to actually awaken with all of those issues happening in my life. I have to awaken. I have to start taking responsibility for everything that is happening. And then in this ancient uh, healing traditions, the illness actually comes through the gap in awareness, where I'm complacent, where I'm unaware, where I'm just living my life without that spark of inspiration, without the wonder and awe, and the beauty that uh, inspires me to awaken my heart farther, the inner beauty. And so then the questioning of my life and waking up okay if i don't have that spark if i don't have that connection to the inner beauty of all of those essential human qualities that don't shy away from ugliness that's the real beauty that don't shy away from issues and then that tends to rekindle the vitality of the organism but if I'm living without any inspiration, without any spark, without any motivation, and I'm just doing things automatically, then that's how the illness comes in. That's according to the perspective of these traditions. So when somebody gets sick, then the first question that they're being asked is, uh, where, how did you lose the spark of life? Where did you wander away from the calling of your heart how can you return to that? what does that mean underneath the particular appearances? because yeah I can have a certain idea okay maybe mountain biking makes me feel really alive but it's not the mountain biking the mountain biking just makes me so fully present and engaged and i can fall down at any moment and break something and then i have to be really alive and really aware and awake and present and it's this impartial presence that is really the joy that uh, all of those other hobbies are helping me recognize someone may find it jumping from a parachute someone may be doing it when uh, they are painting and drawing but there is a sense of deep presence and purpose and meaning and so to see whatever brings you happiness whatever it is it's not that thing in particular but it's the energetic quality of it that full unconditional engagement in this very moment Just like what the children experience. And so that to me is what allows the health to be vibrant. Mm. But if everything is decided for me and I have no say about it and I'm completely just little wheel in the big, big band clock, then that's a problem. (laughs) And then of course, if I don't see the greater picture, yeah, of course I can be a link in a greater organism but I should be a fully conscious link that is encouraged to be supportive instead of just uh, doing things without any insight without any realization and just doing things just because just a, a conveyor belt that has no meaning or purpose and I'm just doing it mechanically Then everything starts to break down. Then I'm just becoming a mechanical robot. And then everything is breaking down. But if I'm a life organism. And I'm tuned into the spark of life. And I'm fully engaged. And I have this connection to the eye of the storm. And I can see the greater picture. Then I can really utilize the storm. To awaken, to catalyze the potentiality of my life to bring evolution forth and not to stagnate and so then that becomes wonderful great this thing just came and helped me come out of the swamp of my conditioning how amazing is that that's awesome that's great so now i can have this push in the right direction and then it's up to me to really do something with it But it's important to recognize that push. To see that this storm is not just about this murky unknown. We don't know what's going to happen to us. We're going to wear our masks for the rest of our lives. But actually there is an eye of the storm that is completely lucid and crystal clear. And so then from that lucidity naturally health comes. And then another thing that I want to say about it is that in um, these traditions, it's the healing circle, of course. So to take refuge in everyone who are willing to actually face themselves, to actually get to the eye of the storm, then that brings me happiness. When I can share my life with people who have that intention, not to avoid and not to hide. Then, of course, all of the reminders in my life, the wisdom of that unconditional loving nature that we are all capable of so then to take refuge in that and there are many different ancient traditions many different living wisdom traditions that are pointing to that there are also a lot of kind of superficial spiritual fashion traditions that are all talking about how special we are and we shouldn't face our issues that's not what i find refuge in but the Traditions that have been tempered by many storms, by many epidemics and many plagues. This is something that I find refuge in because there is wisdom of that awakened presence in the face of all adversity. And so those three that awake potential within each one of us, the guidance, the wisdom, the reminders that we all can have to keep tapping into that, and in the community of friends and helpers that are also having the same willingness and the same intention, and that's what brings me the greatest inspiration in my own existence. Mm -hmm. So maybe you. you, you can relate to it a little bit and then we'll have an opportunity to ask a few questions.
2: Well, yeah, I guess what I was getting at in my last question around having feeling the support of um, having those reminders around me I just want to say how beneficial I've found that in my life because at a certain point when I started going through you know just my whole life seemed to be crumbling and I tried to put it back together just on my own and I guess there's a a certain flow of our societal norms that kind of support this idea that I'm independent and I can do it all myself. And I tried that for a while and, and, you know, it didn't take too long to see that as long as I'm just seeing myself as this little separate self, I can't really evolve without those friends and um just yeah feeling a lot of gratitude for finding a community of like-hearted people who do want to get to the center of the storm um, and see what it's about
1: Mm. yeah absolutely and the storm does have a particular pattern and the storm does bring all of the elements together they all start swirling in this vortex of transformation and so then yeah it's through the storms of life that we can actually find real people that we could relate to and awaken with together it's all those blessings in disguise and so we'll have an opportunity for a few questions we've shared some of the essence around it and so then if you have any comments insights questions realizations then we welcome you, friends to relate with us and share what's coming up for you in this current storm of humanity.
0: I'm going to read questions from the side over here. Okay, Cynthia
1: is here next to us.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, one of the questions, Belazove, you did touch on this some, but um, she says, how can we find true refuge?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, true refuge, Okay definitely i find those three that i mentioned to help with the true refuge i find in my life i like to take refuge in the issues that are arising you know that's something that will keep happening i can always trust that there is going to be all kinds of situations that will teach me something new so that i can take refuge in each new moment to rest deeply in, to learn something about. That's something I can trust. There is always going to be something for me to learn. I'm always going to be brought face to face with uncertainty, with insecurity. And then because of that, I can actually keep awakening. I can keep awakening that ingenuity and adventuresome attitude towards life. And not stagnate and forget myself and just become a robot. So then uh, all of those situations that keep taking me out of my comfort zone. I can learn to take refuge in them. With my heart. right? Not just to take refuge in them as uh, being footballed around by the problems in my life. But to take refuge in them in a way where I can keep finding the worthy opponent in my life that helps me to evolve, that helps me to develop, that helps me to awaken my heart and not just be so self-absorbed. And so if it wasn't for all of those issues in my life, then I would be a very narrow-minded and very self-absorbed kind of person and would probably be hiding from myself right now and not appearing on Facebook Live. But all of those situations, they encourage me to get over myself and to extend my heart to people around me and to discover the beauty of the heart that is able to face all of the ugliness in the world. And so that's something that I find refuge in. The refugee lost some everything that um, I have had and haven't found anything yet, and it's in that place between the rock and the hard place that I learn how to truly savor every moment how to appreciate every moment of life and not waste my time on meaningless things that of course involve my dramas so that's something that I find the refuge in is that awakened heart presence in the face of uncertainty in the face of adversity and then the guidance, the continuous reminders to keep bringing me into that and I keep forgetting of course and so I appreciate everything that keeps encouraging me to awaken from this dream of separation from this illusion of scarcity and fear-based mentality and then the friends and helpers that are also having the same intention and willingness to face themselves uncompromisingly so that's something that I find meaningful And if you want to share something,
2: Well, yeah, the true refuge to me is kind of a space where I can surrender into what's happening in every moment as objectively as I can, and then, at the same time, actively participate in in what's unfolding around me from a place of an open heart, and that open heart has to be connected to something much greater than just myself and like Roman said it's a practice that's that's you know the most ideal way that I can state it and at the same time it's it's only something that I can experience is that state and I definitely don't experience it all the time but I wish to move in that direction.
0: Another question from Inette is an um...
1: How to be less hard on myself and forgive myself. How to be less hard on myself and forgive myself. That's a really good one. And I find in my life forgiveness comes from understanding. If somebody has done something to me and they have hurt me, then yeah, I can say that I forgive them, but energetically I will still have some kind of closing down to that person or to that situation and so then if I can understand someone more deeply if I can see okay someone hurt me but they hurt me because they've had all of those issues in their own lives and they themselves are hurt and then I'm much more likely to forgive them if I can understand that if I can relate to their own humanity and their own struggles I can forgive them fully, unconditionally, because there is that relatedness. And here, of course, it comes back to facing myself. Okay, how can I forgive myself? I can see myself indulging and going into all kinds of shenanigans and dramas. And then I can learn how to get to know all of those little monsters in myself. Oh, here comes the anger. How long has it been with me? Here, come here, my little friend. I can hug you. Or sadness or depression or fear. I don't have to keep avoiding that and judging myself for that. I can see that, yeah, I've had my share in life. And I've dealt with my own problems and issues to a certain degree. And then I could not deal with it otherwise. Just because of not knowing any better. And the more that I can get to know all of those weaknesses in myself, the more I can find and discover the strength of the heart, the forgiving heart. And so here I think it's worth also mentioning that the heart, I mean I talk about the heart and it may sound very nice, but in these traditions that we work with the heart is not something that I have to force myself to feel. The heart is naturally available when I'm present, the love and compassion are inherent qualities of presence itself. So when I'm not present, then the heart is clouded, the heart is blocked, when I'm avoiding, hiding and distracting myself. But when I can be fully present with what I'm going through, the heart is available. And so I can find myself in the midst of my habits that I dislike. And yet I do them. And instead of just judging myself and reprimanding myself and trying to not do it and block myself just so that I can do it again in the future, it's this kind of capricious teenager and strict parent motive. So instead... How can I open myself up to what I'm experiencing and really understand the workings of my conditioning? And so here, there is a quality of palpation in my life. Okay, I have a headache. Instead of just being upset that I have a headache or that I'm disturbed, I can open to it and I can, okay, what kind of quality does this headache have? Maybe there is a dullness to it. Maybe there is a particular emotion that is accompanying it. And I can open and really palpate the experience that I'm having instead of blocking it and judging it. And the more that I can palpate it, the more that I can experience the texture of the experience that I have, the more I can open my heart to it. The more I can come out of the old stories that I have in relation to it And open my heart and discover this ability of my heart to cradle the fearful mind. No longer being controlled by this fearful mind that makes me block my heart. But discover the power of the heart to be greater than the fearful mind. And so this is something that I find meaningful in our Tibetan lineage. It's referred to as loving kindness. It's that capacity. Even though I don't know how to deal with the challenges in my life, at least I can stop judging myself for it. That's an essential first step. Without that, I will not be able to find resolution. And then the more that I can understand myself and forgive myself and allow myself to get to know why I'm doing what I'm doing, the more I can transform it the more I find it naturally being transformed through consciousness. Consciousness is the main healing agent. And it's learning how to bring the consciousness into a heart-centered presence. And that's what I find meaningful in this process of forgiveness. Do we have time for one more?
0: Sure, I have to pick which one. (laughs) One question is... Going into acceptance and the difference between accepting a situation as it is and just easing into it versus accepting a situation with the wish to inspire change. Mm. And then um, somebody else asked, "How do you find peace with people who interact with you in a very passive-aggressive manner if avoiding them is not an option?" And then um, somebody else also asked, "You know, how do we open ourselves up without others taking it on personally when?" when they can
1: feel it okay that's good enough for now I'm gonna try to put them together so first going into a situation to inspire change so for me I find that I don't have to inspire change change is naturally happening every moment is unlike any other moment before but to inspire positive change right to proactively engage in a situation not just take things for granted but to accepting the way they are while encouraging that spark of ingenuity, that childlike nature, that adventuresome attitude towards life. That's what I've learned is the most essential about the living wisdom traditions we work with. Experiences come and go. The only thing that can remain, that can be cultivated as a discipline is this attitude towards life. Not an attitude like I'm always having an attitude <laughs> towards life. That also naturally happens. But it's this uh, heroic attitude towards life. Adventuresome attitude towards life. And so I can accept things the way they are to really understand all of the dynamics. And then it's through that acceptance, through that openness and objectivity, this eye of the storm, that I can engage with the art of no resistance instead of resisting the situation I embrace it and then gear it exactly where it needs to go and there has to be that spark of ingenuity that childlike nature that is also within each one of us is that tenderness the innocence the not knowing and then to actually bring that to the forefront of our awareness It's okay to not know. It's okay to be helpless. That's how we discover. That's how we evolve and develop. Everything that we have in the world today has come from this original state of not knowing. That the childlike essence has to be birthed through. And so this is that positive inspiration of the change has to come from this Beginner's mind, okay, this is what it is and I'm willing to make the most out of this situation and I'm willing to bring the human spirit into this experience that may be stuck or having despair into it. And so I can start decorating my jail cell or your quarantine house. I mean, you know, I'm decorating with my presence right now for a short while, but it's up to you, the rest, you know, decorate that confinement, make it lively, make the most out of it, and then suddenly it's no longer a jail cell, it becomes an evolutionary retreat center, where your highest potential can come forth, where you can start to relate with everyone else who are confined right now, and so the confinement, when embraced, becomes a connecting link, And I find that to be really beautiful when it happens in that way. Then uh, another question was, what was it, how to deal with someone who is passive-aggressive? You know, I find that it's a great opportunity to develop human essential qualities. If I find someone who is passive-aggressive or someone who makes me frustrated or irritated, like I'm banging my head against the wall, like I have those situations with my wife at times, and so then when I'm in those moments and I find this frustration, this irritation, this kind of reactionary mentality, then I catch myself. I find that to be very important, to catch myself and to see that, oh no, this is a beautiful opportunity for me to cultivate patience. If, the, if it wasn't, for this person who is making me so impatient I would not really have an opportunity to develop greater patience or if it wasn't for this person who is being so triggering and passive aggressive I wouldn't learn how to approach this situation in a more firm and loving and present way I wouldn't be pointed to my own short-temperedness Then I see that I get frustrated. It's not that this person is making me frustrated. I've never learned how to deal with this frustration in myself. And all this person is doing is very graciously pointing to that frustration in me that I have to take into account. And so it's again that eye of the storm. How can I bring a more objective insight into this situation rather than just be compulsively dragged through the dirt by everything that is happening so i can take an extra breath i can take a moment and reflect everything inside of me is boiling because of this situation so i can take a few deep breaths i can step out for a moment and then come back and engage with it more meaningfully so that's again something that relates to the eye of the storm what was the last one
0: well, the last question was kind of related in reverse. Like if I'm having disturbing emotions, how do I prevent that from spilling over right. and having other people take it personally?
1: Right. So first, it for me to really take responsibility for. I'm having these disturbing emotions, and it's not the disturbing emotions about this situation. This situation is just pointing me to those emotions, to those energies that I've never learned how to bring through the heart as an art of no resistance. And then everything that I find disturbing can actually transform into those essential human qualities, can encourage that. And I was actually reflecting on that recently how, yeah, who, who am I without everyone else in my life? I am a result of all of the encounters with all the people that I've ever had. I am a result of so many people and previous generations that have contributed to me being here. I'm not separate. I'm not the separate machine that has nothing to do with everyone else's. And then of course, because of that, all of the problems that everyone are going through, they're also problems reflected in myself. And then I can open myself up to that and really see how those problems, they encourage evolution. They encourage developing those essential human qualities that can awaken the highest potential of who I am to be in service to the greater organism. If you want to add something.
2: Yeah, I was just reflecting on, on that, how important it is to actually get to know my all the ways that I make mistakes and cause suffering fall into the same old potholes. Because in a way, it's it's that that refines my intention of not causing harm to others. So I have to really get to know my own storms and how I work with them in order to make a a different course of action from the storm.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's this principle of interconnectedness. Okay, wonderful. So yeah, I always appreciate the opportunity to reflect and check in with our community and very grateful to everyone here that has come up on this call today. And let's uh, keep being the storms of change. Let's keep finding the I in the storm. Let's lose that I that is the self-absorbed instant uh, gratification kind of I. And let's Find the eye of the storm that is found in the heart, in the midst of everything that has taken place. We love you all. Be well.
2: Thanks, everyone.
1: And uh, take good care of yourselves and people in your life. The world depends on that.
0: Thank you for joining us. If you have found value in what we have shared, we welcome donations in order to continue this service. To make a donation or to ask a question, visit our website, at www.paititi-institute.org. That's www.p-a-i-t-i-t-i-institute.org. May all beings be happy and free.